there. Welcome to the Real World NP Podcast. I'm Liz Rohr, family nurse practitioner, educator, and founder of Real World NP, an educational company for nurse practitioners in primary care. I'm on a mission to equip and guide new nurse practitioners so that they can feel confident, capable, and take the best care of their patients. If you're looking for clinical pearls and practice tips without the fluff, you're in the right place. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review so you won't miss an episode. Plus, you'll find links to all the episodes with extra goodies over at realworldnp.com slash podcast. Oh my goodness, I just had the most amazing interview. So I interviewed Megan Cavanaugh. She is a nurse practitioner who specializes in diabetes care. Um, And we collected um, questions from the real world NP community and asked some of the heavy hitting questions. Things like how to um, help patients who are not adherent with their medications, how to navigate cost challenges when it comes to diabetes care. And we also talked all about continuous glucose monitoring, um, which was just, so helpful because that's a tricky thing, but it's actually in the guidelines recommended for anybody who uh, is approved by insurance, which is something we also talked about. We finally talked about the pearls of practice that she had to share for uh, nurse practitioners and clinicians in primary care. It was so good. And I could literally talk to her for hours and hours and hours. Um, And so before we get into the interview, um, I want to let you know that the diabetes, hypertension, and CKD course um, that we have here at Real World NP is coming up for re-release oh so soon and there is a uh, there may be some bonuses in there uh, to be able to ask some of your um, clinical questions uh, for your specific patients when it comes to care of those patients. So if you haven't gotten on the wait list already, head over to realworldnp.com slash courses. And if you're watching this at the at the time uh, later than the recording time, uh, definitely go check out the same URL and you will find the course there for registration. So without further ado, though, I'm going to share my interview with Megan. Thank you so much for being here. Can you introduce yourself? Yeah. Well, hey, um, thank you for having me too. I love all your content. Thank you for what you do for the for the community for NPs. Um, my name is Megan Cavanaugh. I'm a family nurse practitioner. Um, I work in North Louisiana, the clinic that is pretty much diabetes only, but we all know it's not just diabetes. (laughs) So we end up treating other things, of course. But um, my original background is um, nutrition. I'm also a registered dietitian. I finished in 2008 with my RD and I finished my master's. I practiced for a few years and kind of got to the point of I want to be able to do more. I was in a great position in an outpatient uh, diabetes education center, but it was education only and there was no management. So we were really limited on what we can do. And I really wanted to get to that point of being able to do more for my patients besides just the education. A few years after that, I decided to go to RN school practice for a few years and then just went to NP school. So I've been practicing as an NP for about three and a half years. I've been at the clinic that I'm at now for almost 10 years. We've been open almost 10 years. So okay. it's been great. I have a feeling so. you're like a person who really likes to learn. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. I, I am. I, I'm a nerd, you know, doesn't bother me. I read all the time. I read everything. I read formula formularies for bedtime stories, you know. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. I love it. Yeah. 
That's so awesome. Um, we had so many fantastic questions come in um, from the real world NP community. Um, so we've tried, you and I, we talked before the recording, but tried to narrow it down to some really key highlighted points that are like real world applicable, tricky, um, right? So uh, one of the first really common questions is about uh, continuous glucose monitoring, CGM. Mm -hmm. So I feel like if, especially if you're thinking about the place of a new grad or a student, like almost like what, what guy, if you, can you just talk about what that is and guidance about like how to use it and how to prescribe it and how to get it covered? Sure. Uh, yes, you can, because I know you practice in Louisiana and that, uh, nationally right. there's different rules, but there's different uh, differences. And luckily we're at a time now that a lot of insurance formularies are way more generous than what they used to be. So when CGMs were first released, it was strictly for type one diabetes, you had to have a history of like severe hypoglycemia and awareness, potentially like loss of consciousness or causing seizures. Um, it wasn't open initially for like type two diabetes, but now we have much more flexibility, thankfully, because it is such a wonderful tool um, mm -hmm. for somebody who's not really familiar with the CGM. CGM is a continuous glucose monitor and um, there's several different brands, probably the top two that you hear about, of course, are Dexcom, Dexcom G6 being the newest one, and then the Freestyle Libre. So mm -hmm. there is a difference with the Dexcom that's a continuous, it's a real time. So for this device, it's um, Bluetooth to a device, um, usually cell phone for most people. Mm -hmm. So there's an iPhone app, there's um, Android apps as well, and it's real-time data. So it checks sugars every few seconds, it averages about every five to six minutes. So I tell people, I'm like, you can open your phone and look at the app and stare at it, and you'll watch it change. So I mean, it's just like real-time data. Mm -hmm. The accuracy over the years has just gotten so much better. I mean, used to we couldn't say, hey, you can make treatment-based decisions based off of this number. You still had to perform a finger stick. So for somebody on insulin or if they're treating a hypoglycemic event, you know, we couldn't say, hey, trust it. But now you can. So the Dexcom G6 is factory calibrated. Um, for the Freestyle Libre, that is one that it also now has an iPhone app. There's an Android app. They Both of them, sorry, the Dexcom has a receiver if they don't have a smartphone the freestyle library, they can have a reader, but that one you have to scan to see what it is. Okay. Mm -hmm. So instead of opening up Dexcom and saying, Oh, I can stare at this and see what happens. The mm -hmm. other one, you do have to take that extra step, which is not a big deal compared to doing a finger stick glucose, mm -hmm. For real. grab the reader, scan it, and you, you can see what it is. But the newer versions of the Libres will alert for a low and alert for a high, but you have to scan mm -hmm. to get that actual data. Oh, so it'll beep if yeah. it's low, but they just won't tell you what it is. And then you correct to scan it. Okay. Okay. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So with um, one thing too, and I will say this about the Libre, because that it, that's one that is a decent option cash pay mm -hmm. for a patient that if they don't have the insurance coverage or if they're paying an equivalent amount in testing supplies, that mm -hmm. might be a great option because then they don't have oh. to buy the strips and the lancets and the nucleocometer and everything, oh. or they just want to pay for the convenience. So we do have a lot that are like, it's worth it. It's worth the 80 bucks a month. Let me just go and purchase that. And then I'll have to worry about the finger sticks. Yeah. You say it's 80 um, a month? Estimated, estimated. Estimated. Sometimes it goes up to about a, a, around here is between like 80 to a hundred dollars cash price. Mm -hmm. And that's generally for two sensors. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And each one is one for 14 days, discarded, a new one's activated after 14 days. So they get two per month. Mm. So it's a, it's a decent cash price option if the um, insurance doesn't cover it. So with actual insurance coverage, most insurance formulas, formularies, at least in our area, require the patient to be taking multiple daily injections of insulin. So that could be a basal bolus regimen. If they happen to be on like a Humulin RU500, even two times, three times a day of that, that's still MDI. Um, some insurance formularies do require uh, some type of history of hypoglycemia mm-hmm. and uh, or hypo-unawareness, meaning the person has had enough lows that they just don't feel it anymore, which of course right. is a really dangerous situation. Yeah. So it, it really helps to justify that need. Mm-hmm. But um, I will say for this with like the costing coverage, all of these companies have really, really good reps that are there to help the clinician and to say, Hey, look, to get this covered. I mean, you have to have that documentation in your note of Mm -hmm. this person's on, you know, insulin QID and they're willing Mm -hmm. to use the technology as intended. They're able to use the technology. They have the hypoglycemia and that helps build the case, especially Mm -hmm. if that's for, DME, durable medical equipment. Okay. So pharmacy. It's in the code. So the actual device is considered durable medical equipment. Depends on the formulary. Yeah. But more. (laughs) It's all all great. So um, many more now is they're covering it under pharmacy, meaning if Mm -hmm. you, if they have a Walgreens, Walmart, CVS, even a lot of the smaller town pharmacies, they can get it and it goes under their prescription formulary so you send it in mm-hmm. to the pharmacy just like you would yes. anything else yeah. yeah yeah that's how it works how it's how it's typically worked in my clinic I'm in Massachusetts yeah yeah, yeah. so cool. and then if it does go through DME yeah. then you'd have to go through a supply company you know but it just it just depends like in Louisiana our Louisiana Medicaid um thankfully we can get it under pharmacy now for most Medicaid so that really helps a lot in clinic because it's like a, it's just a PA instead of doing a lot of the other paperwork and it's easier for the patient because they're not waiting on a supply company to mail them supplies. They can go through the Walmart drive-through and pick it up just as if they're picking up their insulin or any other medication. Totally. And just to clarify, I remember being a new grad and being like, what is DME? Um, So so like what my, and I don't, I, I think this is so state to state, but durable medical equipment um, is like, if you had um, compression stockings, at least this is Massachusetts, Mm -hmm. but compression stockings, walkers, um, uh, chairs in the shower for people who Mm -hmm. are at fall risk, you have to go through a separate company. um, And this, this, I, I, I always ask the nurses that I worked with, I'm like, can I order this? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And they were like, this company, this is how you do it. Uh That's, that's, that's what that means is that is going through that process. And then various insurances have various coverage of drugs, pharmacy versus durable medical equipment. And it depends on the insurance, which one is for the CGMs at least. Right. And I will say this too, like I am somebody that's like, it's not a no until it's a real no. So I will send it under pharmacy first because it's going to be easier. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Our EMR will even if when the insurance information is input by the front desk, we can even search and look to see potential costs, variant um, differences. If they pick it up Mm -hmm. local retail versus doing Express Scripts or OptumRx or CVS Mm -hmm. Caremark. Mm -hmm. And so then- you said that's, that's in your earmark. That's amazing. Yeah, earmark. 
uh, EMDs. Oh, interesting. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Yeah. So if everything's input correctly, which again, it's like, if, and then if, you know, magical, like we think insurance is one thing and then they end up with a $5,000 deductible and you're like, okay, whatever, you know, that's yeah. another problem. But, yeah. um, so then it's knowing how to prescribe it. So oh. for example, with, um, the Dexcom, there's yeah. typically three components. So it's the receiver, which used to, and I don't, and honestly, I would have to double check on this. Yeah. Used to, they would require the patient to get the receiver in case the oh, iPhone paper. did not work. Yeah. 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 So they would have to have something mm -hmm. and that might be more under the DME side of it. Mm -hmm. So you have one receiver, which depending on their insurance, they might only be able to get one every two years, five years, whatever it might be. You have the transmitter, which is the little gray piece. That's mm -hmm. the one that's reused. It's a 90 day battery. Mm -hmm. And that's one for every 90 days. So they only have to get that quarterly. Okay, because they reuse it. That's the expensive part. Tell them, don't throw that away when you change it out. That's the expensive crash that you throw away because you got to pay cash for the next one if you lose it. And then the sensors are 10 days each. So you would dispense three for 30 days. This is Dexcom. Dexcom, correct. correct. I'm gonna, so, for people who are listening or watching, this is going to be all written down on a PDF. Yeah, yeah, and I'll help you. I'll help you with that. <laughs> and then because with certain things like um, we probably won't get into like insulin pump therapy today. Yeah. Um, insulin pump therapy, you can prescribe based off of how frequently they change their site based off of their total daily dose of insulin. So if you have somebody that uses quite a bit more insulin, they might need to change their insulin pump site every two days. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you have some wiggle. Room. Oh, 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 I see. I see. Right. Insulin but pump, like Dex Yeah, correct. Correct. So <clears throat> there you have flexibility. Other devices like a Dexcom or Freestyle Libre, three for 30 days, two for 28 days for Libre. And there's very little wiggle room. Mm -hmm. So then you, you make sure to tell the patient, Hey, look, you know, there's Dexcom customer support. There's freestyle Libre customer support. If something happens and you know, you're new to the product and number one, maybe one just goes bad and it doesn't work. Yeah. If you wear that sensor for two days, you're going to be eight days short before you can fix get your next one. So you can contact them and they're great about really troubleshooting that. So just mm -hmm. to kind of think of that too. Mm -hmm. And um, so let me get into a little bit of like the management of it, because if you yeah. look, I was, I was going through all the guidelines and um, just kind of like doing a refresher. And I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, this thing is like thousand pages long. It's so but, long. <laughs> I read it cover to cover for the course. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's unreal. Yeah. So <clears throat> what I like to tell patients going into a CGM, because I have some that come in, they're like, I want a Libre or I want a Dexcom. Yeah. I was like, Hey, great. Like, let's get you some diabetes technology. Let's make yeah. life easier. Let's get away from these finger sticks. 100%. What can be so overwhelming for them oh, amongst many, many other things when you get a CGM and you have that real-time data, or if you're doing the flash and you're doing your, your scanning, all of a sudden that patient is able to see what's going on all the time. So mm -hmm. it, when you prescribe that, and then if you start it yourself, if they come back, you know, for the education or if they self-start at home and you get a phone call within 24 hours and that person's A1C was a nine, yeah. you know, and they're on meds and all this stuff. And like, oh my gosh, Megan, you know, my sugars are X, Y, and Z. Hey, you know what? You're seeing what has been going on. This is not new information for your body. So it's like, you're just now able to see in real time what has been going on. And now we can see 
clinically, when you come back, how your meds are working, what's going on with food, your different triggers. Is it stress? Is it illness? Is it caffeine that's spiking you in the morning with your two cups of coffee? Is it, you know, smoking or dipping or, you know, anything like that? But they can see in real time what's going on. So it can be overwhelming. It's good information, mm-hmm. but it's a like lot too much of information. For some I was going to yeah, say, like, yeah. one of the things that we're doing, especially with the team on Real World NP and like otherwise, is like recognizing people's way that way their brains work, basically. Mm-hmm. And like for some people, they get really into details and really obsessed with them. And then absolutely, yeah. Care. You know, (laughs) and that might be hard to assess when you're starting with a patient, but like, that might be a helpful question Mm -hmm. of like, do you get really into details or not? You know, like warning them. Do you like data? Yeah. yeah, Do you like data? Some people are data nerds, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. But yeah, Yeah. like, is this like that? I guess like a pearl of that is like warning people to start that it can be scary to Mm -hmm. see that. And like, we are comfortable with that as clinicians because we understand that, right? We understand mm-hmm. what ABCF9 means, but they might not. Um, right, right. Yeah, and then just talking about that. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. And I would say on the flip side of that, too, I can't even tell you how many times that this has happened that, you know, we start a Libre, even, um, you know, talking about somebody paying cash for a Libre because yeah. maybe they're not on insulin and it's just, mm-hmm. or they're just on metformin and a GLP-1 and they're like, I just want to mm-hmm. see what's going on. You know, mm-hmm. I want to pay out yep. of pocket and do it. Sometimes, or not sometimes, a lot of times, once they get that data and they can see, mm-hmm. I, I thought a banana wouldn't spike my sugar. I thought this wouldn't spike my sugar. Mm-hmm. They will come back on paper. We'll upload that report. You would have an A1C of this. And I have to double check. You should anyway, right? Their name and date of birth. And I'm like, are you the same person? Because wow. you don't look like this 12 A1C. I mean, you're flat as a board. And they're like, well, yeah, I could finally see what was going on whenever I ate X, Y, and Z. And, you know, as humans, we crave success and you get that instant gratification of, oh, wow, like I did not realize that sweet tea did this to me. Like, let me cut that back. And then all of a sudden there's a flat line instead of a a huge surge. So the data is great. And also um, for the data for um, NPs out there, for Dexcom, when they download it on their app, they have their main app, which is their Dexcom G6. But then there's a second one, and I can give you this information, mm-hmm. called Dexcom Clarity. So the that is where you get your reports. If there's not a capability in clinic to have like the clinic Dexcom account, they can, from their app, just email you the data, and it's a PDF. Mm-hmm. So the clinic side of it is not anything different than what they would see on their app Mm -hmm. so it's not just like hey put the cg on cgm on good luck you know you really want to be able hopefully have the capability to go through it with them and be like Mm -hmm. oh what happened here like oh i had covid and you know and my sugars were Mm -hmm. sky high after i had to have you know treatment or you know or just the illness itself Mm -hmm. so that way you can really look at the data and then there's also the um software for the libre too so I see that a lot. Like sometimes patients will come in, you know, from primary care and internal med and they're like, I have this data, but I've never been able to see my report before. And then just having that besides the real time, yeah, you know, okay, but like yeah. the actual mm-hmm. like summary. Yeah. And as what what's really cool and so rewarding for us too, I mean, like we want to fix people, right? Like we just want to fix it, is that when they wear each one of these for two weeks at a time, you get what's called a GMI, which is a glucose uh, monitoring indicator. They can't call it an estimated A1C anymore, but it pretty much is an estimated A1C. And <laughs> so they see that and I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, your A1C was X 
Y and Z when you came in and look, now it's down to a 6.2 just in the last two weeks. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, it's, it's really, really rewarding. And also to obviously whenever you see it and, and um, especially patients who are on MDI really helps you pinpoint, do they need a different amount of insulin for this trigger food or this situation? Mm-hmm. Or you can, on those two, you can literally watch when like GLP ones kick in, you know, when they get to a higher dose, like it's oh the data on it is fantastic. It was like, it's just so moving. I, I'm like kind of tearing up a little bit thinking mm-hmm. about how powerful that is for people to like have so much agency. Like, I feel like the, but I don't know about you, but I feel like when I was a brand new grad, I was like keeping my head above water and I still, yeah. you still make an impact from moment one. And even though it's hard mm-hmm. for a lot of new grads, but I feel like the more time I have, Um, as a clinician, it's like, I don't know. I just, I just feel like it's so special. It's just Mm -hmm. like, those are the things that are just so special about like, really like the focus is less on keeping your head above water. I'm like, Oh my God, what am I supposed to do here? And more on like, how can I empower my patients? Absolutely. Keep making that impact. Right. Like I said, Mm -hmm. impact the whole time. But like, once you like my frame of reference now is not just all the foundational stuff of medicine, but it's like, how can I help people like yeah, like empower them. Um, Mm -hmm. So, so so special. Oh, yeah. And just so much of that, the cause and effect. And Mm -hmm. we, you know, with our clinic, like I said, we're diabetes only. And I've been doing diabetes since 08. I mean, like, kind of ages me out, but, um, (laughs) 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 but you crave success. Like they don't want to have, go pay a copay or pay a deposit on deductible and just get busted. at. And, you know, it's like, maybe they just don't have the right tools in the toolbox. Like what, let's, let's reevaluate. Like if you need a hammer, a screwdriver's not going to cut it. Like let's get them a hammer. Let's get good meds. And I've had people before be like, you know, my, even endocrinologist, my endocrinologist, you know, I just see them twice a year and they just fuss at me because my A1C is still a nine. Please don't fuss at me. And I'm like, do I fuss? Like, have I ever fussed? I mean, it's with love. If I do, I mean, call it like, you know, something nice and then fuss and then, you know, do a little fuss sandwich. But, you know, it's it's with love and it's not demeaning. And it's mm-hmm. more about empowering that patient and just mm-hmm. helping them learn what's going on, you know, because they're, they're doing their own management most of the time. They see me for a a little tiny blip in the radar and they're in their life. And you use use the um, acronym MDI. Is that, is that what you said? MDI? MDI. Yeah. Uh, Multiple daily injections. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So thank you so much for all of that. I just think you were just a gem and such a wealth of knowledge. Um, I, another question, super, super, super common question is about adherence, um, Mm -hmm. and how to help patients, um, when they are not adherent and I'm using the adherence language. Uh, we Mm -hmm. talk in the diabetes, uh, CKD hypertension course that I have, I talk about language with patients and the way that you talk with them actually does make a difference on outcomes. There is research on diabetes. I'm sure you've seen that, but, um, using non-adherence instead of non-compliance. So for patients who are struggling to follow the, you know, agreed upon directions that you've talked about, what is, what guidance do you have or approach or thoughts? I mean, you kind of mentioned a little bit with like the hammer and the screwdriver, which you had told me mm-hmm. before, but what are your thoughts yeah. about that? <clears throat> so I, I love that you use non-adherence too. I, I don't say compliant, you know, yeah. and I, I don't know if y'all use this, but sometimes, unfortunately, I do have to put that ICD-10 code of like the non-compliance, you yeah, know, because it, know. it it covers your, your rear yes. end, you know, somebody's yeah. just literally, you're just at a point. And I tell them, they're like, Hey, look, I'm sorry. Like mm-hmm. to cover me, 
uh, you know, and just did, I have to put this in. So it bothers me that that's still in the ICD-10, but I use adherence too. So, and just forgive me if I'm long-winded. <laughs> no, you, everything you're saying is like so beautiful. And also like, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of information. And I think I struggle with that too. And at least in my teaching is that like, there's so much to say, but you're, you're so concise. So go for okay. it. <laughs> so years ago, this is something that has just stuck with me and I'm so, and I probably just need to call this professor and just thank her. When I was in my undergrad, my first undergrad program um, <laughs> at Louisiana Tech here in uh, Reston, one of my favorite nutrition professors, she was teaching one of our MNT classes. And one of our big projects was um, to do a, a project about renal diet, but it's not just, no, renal diet is one of the most difficult diets out yeah. I mean, uh, could, uh, I mean, just, I commend anybody that can follow that diet to a T. Yeah. I know this is in diabetes, but one of the things she had us do with the project was to really put our feet in their shoes and say, okay, she had, it was brilliant. I mean, she now granted this is a underground nutrition program, but she did use candy, but <laughs> she, um, for each one of us, had different little baggies of all the different meds, what it would represent that that person that was on dialysis had to take on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Then, so we had to keep a diary of what we ate and then track to like how much potassium and phosphorus and calcium and, you know, all this and protein and fluids and take your meds. Did you miss your binders? Did you miss this? Did you take this? How much fluid? And I, that has stuck with me now. Oh my goodness. 15 18 years because it's so when we think about adherence it's like what does that mean what is your like as an NP like when you're looking okay what do I expect of this patient are you expecting perfection or what's realistic for the patient in the season that they're in right now okay so when we get referrals we don't require referrals but when we do I mean it's not a lot of primary care that are sending me their A1C patients of a 6.2. Mm. It's the one that's so high it won't read and it has to be a sent out. So it's a greater than 15 or, you know, whatever. And they're just mm. non-compliant, non-compliant, non-compliant. And you really just say, okay, let's think about when that person gets the diagnosis and what's their frame of reference of the diagnosis, right? Did they have a family member that they saw just suffer and have every complication in the world. And, you know, they're like absolutely terrified and maybe they're motivated or maybe there's a little bit of denial in there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, is it, um, it, it could be anything. Is it, they just lost a family member, you know, like what is going on with that patient? And it's, I try to tell, especially like our ancillary staff, this, that, when and I'm going to kind of mainly focus on like more difficult regimens like mm -hmm. the MDI, the multiple daily injections. Mm -hmm. And when we recommend, okay, you're going to take metformin, you're going to do a weekly semaglutide. We also need to do a Jardiance. Okay, so maybe we can get some combination meds, but you know what? You also need a basal insulin and then you need three injections per day. You need to do finger sticks because we haven't got your CGM covered yet. Mm -hmm. And then you literally have a life and you have a family and you have kids. <laughs> By and, the way, oh, you have a life. Yeah, like let's exercise too. Like, you know, let's do that. Let's get good sleep. Let's meal prep. Let's count mm -hmm. our carbs. And to the ancillary staff too, I'm like, have you ever thought about how difficult that is? We have other things to think about than dealing with daily chronic illness, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to recognize and 
tell that patient, like, I get, I mean, this is hard. What you are doing is hard. This is a time commitment. And plus with us, we make them keep homework. So they might not have had to write down their meals and snacks and try to count their carbs and do all this. We stress the importance of it. It's like, hey, do your best. But if we really step back before we just start fussing and we're just like, okay, you got to do it. You got to do it. Have we thought about like the time commitment that it takes to really just do what needs to be done? And we have some type A patients that are like, you know what? You just tell me what to do. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. I was like, I can't remember the last time I've taken a multivitamin daily for an entire week <laughs> like a really complicated med regimen so, so you know and it, it could be too I mean we all know the benefits of goal setting so it might be hey look right now here's what I want you to focus on no sugary drinks except for in the case of hypoglycemia okay let's just work on that take your medicines as prescribed and check your sugar I mean like you can start with three things before you just like start pounding on all these other things then guess what you know they got to get that dilated eye exam. You got to get the monofilament. You got to do daily foot checks. You got to do this, this, and this. Not to mention if they need a nephrology referral, cardiology, whatever, Absolutely. and then they have yeah. extra out of pocket. Yeah. So totally. it, it's a lot. So if you say, I get it, this is hard. This is hard. This is brand new information. Let's work on this first, you know, because, you know, I'm in Louisiana. We have fantastic, great, fatty, wonderful foods. Like, I can work with gumbo. I can work with chicken strips. I can work, you know, with a, with a crawfish boil. I can't work with Coca-Cola. I mean, like I just can't, like there's, I, I will dose it if I have to, but there's no place for that. You know, like, okay, love it. I love that. (laughs) You're meeting where they're at, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, and then you just try Mm -hmm. to build on that and then once they get that trust maybe the last few places that they've gone they've just been really kind of talked down to or whatever and then they get that trust with you and know that they're coming like for encouragement but also tough love when needed you'll see more and more adherence if it's not mainly something like a like a cost issue you know which we'll talk about that in a minute and also too I've had patients come in you probably have too that you know they'll say, well, I'm just in denial. I'm just in denial. I'm like, but are you in denial? You walked in the door. You came to a diabetes clinic. Like, I think you're in denial. I think, you know, mm-hmm. let's recognize that you came in, you made an appointment, you paid your copay, you walked in, you were here on time and you're talking to me. I don't think that's denial. So it's just like, maybe you just need different tools. Yeah. And that's when too, you go back to like something like a CGM, you know, yeah. something that, okay, maybe this person, we can get more data. It makes it easier on them. They can trust their med regimen. Mm-hmm. Maybe they were on really old school diabetes meds in the past and they're like sifonurias and we're dropping out like crazy. And maybe they're so terrified of lows and they're like, I'm worried about this SGLT2 causing lows. And then, mm-hmm. so maybe it's just something like that where they just need a little bit more education on the mechanism of action of the medication. Mm-hmm. So, but it's just like, what is that adherence? I mean, like, what are your expectations of, yeah. of the patient yeah. that really meet them where they're at? Absolutely. Yeah. So there's a couple like pearls to pull out for that. Cause I feel like new grads, I think there's so much, cause not, not just new grads listen to the channel and the podcast. Like there's experienced people too, and people who are entering primary care from another specialty. Right. So it's not just new grads, but like when I think about new grads and I think about what I wanted to do and the people that I work with and what they want to do, there's so much desire to do it all right now. And like having conversations like this, like this takes time 
and practice, I feel like the first place to start is the non-judgmental attitude. Exactly like you said of like, I had a similar thing in nursing school where it was not about diabetes, but it was about um, older adults um, who have visual impairments, tactile impairments, mm -hmm. hearing impairments. I wore earbuds. I put on these like really hard to see glasses and I had these big things and like someone's explaining my med regimen to me. And I'm like, I'm, I will never forget that. Like that would be <laughs> Um, <laughs> like, and that they're saying it quickly and I can't, yeah. you know, like that whole uh -huh. thing. I think that's one thing to start for, especially for newer clinicians. Um, it's okay to build on this. And then mm -hmm. I think one other thing I wanted to pull out about what you said is like, um, yeah, just like meeting people where they're at, because it really is a long game. Cause I think, especially, mm -hmm. I don't know if you had this when you were a brand new NP, but you also had so much other clinical experience before. So maybe it didn't hit you as hard, but like, I, it's just like, I felt the pressure of like, I have to fix it today. And so oh, yeah. I have your diagnosis of diabetes and I'd be like, okay, monofilament, ophthalmology. <laughs> no, like it was ridiculous. And I think about oh, it, yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying ridiculous in a judgmental way to a new grad who is listening and is doing the same thing. Like, mm -hmm. it, but it, was, it was like in retrospect, it was like that, that was that people didn't come back. Right. So mm -hmm. it's a stepwise right. approach. It doesn't have to be done today. And like bear, like the person coming to a visit who is in, in denial, like the fact that they arrived is good enough. Absolutely. Everyone, like, we can keep, keep like positive intent, like assume positive intent and assume that everyone is doing the best that they can all the time. Like how, like, how does that change the way you approach your patient is like, that's, that's the best that that person can do today. Mm -hmm. Come to your clinic and tell oh, yeah. you we're not doing anything, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And you yeah. and you do have to adjust for where they're at seasonally. And mm -hmm. and I tell people too, like when you're diagnosed with diabetes, whether yeah. that was yesterday or 10 mm -hmm. years ago, diabetes is not like, hey, you got it. I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to be stagnant. This is the yeah. worst it's going to be. Yeah. It is progressive. So, I mean, like, I can't remember the stat on like the beta cell dysfunction and like mm -hmm. how much of the beta cells that you lose by the time prediabetes is found, let alone type two, uh, that destruction is gone and that's progressive. So like what used to work three years ago, diabetes just on this little happy, merry way. And you got to <laughs> jump the fits and you got to get ahead of it, you know, yeah. with meds or weight management or whatever it might be. And it might be, um, you know, like talking about if they had this elevated A1C and newly diagnosed, of course, you can't fix everything in one visit. Mm. And depending on where you go, of course, I'm going to be way more aggressive in the treatment than many other people <laughs> would be. And, you know, my boss would be even way more aggressive. And mm. um, but it's appropriately aggressive. But you have to tell them to like, hey, look, I, I recognize that you're scared or nervous, but you know, these averages of 300s, if I pull you down to averages of 100 within a week, you're not going to feel good. You know, yeah. like mm -hmm. I got to I got to chip away, you know, mm -hmm. I just got to kind of knock it down a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we can talk about a little bit with meds and kind of some of those algorithms and where and I'll, we'll go to the pearls and stuff too. of like, OK, again, people crave success a lot of and I know we're focusing mainly on type 2 diabetes but many patients most mm -hmm. patients patients with diabetes type 2 need some type of weight management you know mm -hmm. so it could be you know what I know you know an injectable doesn't sound great but you know the semaglutide or the trulicity or something like that the weekly injectables it's great let's get some success mm -hmm. you can kind of taste that and you build from there with that compliance but then can you imagine like let's say that you're on like a med regimen and somebody's told you, okay, check your blood sugar two times a day, four times a day, whatever. 
and you're checking it, you don't go back in because they're like, well, they told me not to come back for like three months. You're checking your blood sugar two to four times a day. You're not seeing it budge. You're doing everything you can with diet and exercise. Mm-hmm. I kind of be like, what's the point? Like, exactly. I mean, like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, exactly. it becomes completely disheartening for that patient to just be like, well, I'm not seeing progress. Like, why do I, why am I still checking twice a day? And I'm seeing nothing but two to 300. So you know, there's multiple reasons, but you just think too, okay, when was the last time I had to check my blood sugar four times a day and do finger sticks and stop what I'm doing and clean off? And then I need to count my carbs and make sure it's a low glycemic index, compare it with protein and fat. And I need to exercise. Like, can you do that? Can you do that? Like, I cannot. I mean, I, cannot. I try really hard to feed myself well. And oh my gosh, hard. absolutely. Yeah. Not to mention your family. Like it's so mm. hard. So hard. So I'd really try to tell people like my main thing and I'll tell them like I exercise for mental health. My family history terrifies me, you know, but I also really like to be able to sit here and be like, I do exercise five to seven days a week. I mean, like, I like to be able to say that. And then you get um, what's involved and you get the absolutely. Yeah. And also too, it's just, we're, you know, as healthcare workers, you know, we have a certain knowledge base and I always love and respect people that are just like, I don't understand. Like I call my collaborative MD for stuff that, I mean, she's always very assuring, reassuring. She's like, Megan, no, call me anytime. But it's like, if I don't know something, you know, that, you know, that's okay. But we can't assume that the patient knows what we know. Like we can't assume that they know that maybe fast food twice a day is not the best option. Maybe sweet tea or a soda or even half and half tea is not the best option. So I mean, you that sometimes can be helpful <laughs> because uh, it's like, well, just because we know something doesn't mean we can't assume that that yeah. patient understands it too or they understand the impact. Yeah. And I think even when we talk to patients too, like um, if we start kind of like at the basics essentials, most of the time that's going to include everybody versus if we start with not the basics, um, we're going to miss those people. But then also the people who know all that stuff, they're going to be like, oh no, I know. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. like people are quick to correct you. Like, yeah, I got that. But if you, if you're Mm -hmm. kind of like starting from that foundational place, you can kind of see the person will typically volunteer where they're at in terms of their level. Do you know what I mean? Like in the conversation. Right. right. I would love to go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say one more thing too about like with medications, because especially with something like, I'll give the example of like a GLP one. So we know with those meds that we're going to see like weight management, everything. So we, it's like, what's your approach in communicating with that patient on how these medications work? So, you know, yes, we can say, Hey, you know, when you take this weekly medication, it's supposed to help with weight loss. It's going to help your sugars, you know, whatever you, whatever your spiel is, but it's like, let's try to like put it into words of how it actually works. Okay. So what I'll say is, okay, so you're on this GLP one and I'll mention the name of whatever one it's going to be, whatever we decide on with the patient. And it's like, these are intelligent medications. Okay. These are not old school grandma's like flip aside, you know, from 30 years ago, like these are intelligent meds. So you take this medicine. So let's say it's somebody that's worried about lows or they're wanting to do a CGM where they can like see their patterns with what's going on. So it's like, okay, well you take this weekly injectable and you take it and it's like in the background and it's just waiting on Megan's blood sugars to go up. It's just waiting for you to eat. So then you eat that little sausage biscuit in the morning. What's it going to do? It's going to come in. It's going to help. 
It's going to help the body release the right amount of insulin, kind of cover that a little bit, but not give you too much where you're going to have this drop. So it's in the background. It's kind of waiting. You know, it helps to decrease your appetite. It's going to help you feel fuller longer. But you know what? If you introduce foods and you eat something that's going to digest more slowly anyway as baseline, chicken strips and french fries, hamburgers, you know, anything fatty, anything fried, any food that's going to slow down digestion anyway, you put this med on top of it, you are going to experience some side effects that might come back up, you know, so it's a good mm-hmm. deterrent for not doing that. Because mm-hmm. they'll come in, they're like, I have reflux, I have nausea, you know, I've been vomiting. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. well, but if they know in advance, like, oh, you're right, you know, every time I eat whatever food, I feel terrible. So I'm going to feel really bad with like this medicine mm-hmm. on top. So you kind of give those besides just like, okay, you might experience nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, constipation. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what does that mean? There's going to be a side effect for aspirin or, you know, Tylenol, but mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you have to, but in what, how can they take that into like practical knowledge too? So totally totally. that's just a side so I love that I love that so much oh my god I could go on a thousand tangents so you know just (laughs) I was gonna say I could literally here all day um so I was so grateful the way that you and I connected was I was talking about one of the things so I have this diabetes hypertensity course and so I was like the main thing that I I feel less equipped to answer like I have my own anecdotal stuff, but I'm like, in, I'm in primary care and like foundationally what I'm teaching is about like pharmacology and all that stuff. But when you talk about it's the main complaint that people have as providers. And like, when I kind of cast that question out to people, like, what do you do to manage costs? You like blew up my DMs in the <laughs> most beautiful way. I was like, who is this amazing person? Oh, um, no, so something I'm very passionate about. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, I would love for you to share your, your, there are just, there are so many ways to help people with costs, but what, what are your thoughts about that? And also we can like, again, write down some more detailed oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah. Because I'll send you links and people listen in the car and I don't want them to be like, Oh God, I've heard this down. Oh yeah. No, no. Yeah. yeah. I'll send I'll send you a lot. So okay. yeah. So when I saw that in your, um, was the Instagram stories, right. Yeah, yeah. You just presented that. I was like, Oh my gosh, I got to blow her I'm up. Here. Because, <laughs> alert, alert. I have resources. So that is by far, I mean, we, you can have the best meds in the world, but if somebody can't afford them, mm-hmm. good job getting them from the pharmacy. I mean, like we have the best meds that nobody can afford that group of patients that are just like in that little window people who have these high deductible medication plans, you know, so they might have insurance, but what if their family deductible is five to $6,000, you know, so that's really, really difficult. And I know there are really good questions from your audience too, about like gap coverage and everything from Medicare. Mm -hmm. Knowing formularies is super, super important for a lot of reasons, but also too, it, it saves a lot of time for you and your staff because then you're really hopefully trying to cut back on a lot of prior authorizations and time on the phone pharmacy and everything and decreases um, or it helps increase access of, of medications. So of course, you know, like I, I was looking back on your stories, you know, a lot of people did recommend like the good RX. Mm-hmm. Okay. So good RX is, is good for certain things, but like really name brand medications, it doesn't take a lot off mm-hmm. when you still have a med that can be retail $800 and it's, you know, a certain amount off, you're asking somebody potentially to pay like two car notes worth of a medication for just one month. And 
you know, nobody, even if you can't afford that, like mm -hmm. who really, really wants to do that? Mm -hmm. So, and then GoodRx too, of course, is not insurance. So if somebody does have that deductible, it doesn't hit deductible. So it doesn't help mm -hmm. them in that aspect, except for mm -hmm. you know, if it makes something that's a generic, even cheaper, you know, that that's really, really good. So all of these big major companies, or I'll say most of them, and um, I don't work for any of them. I will blast names. I don't care. I, I don't get compensated by any of these companies. Not that I would talking about patient assistance, but um, I would say out of all of them, the two that are easiest to work with for patient assistance programs is Novo Nordisk, which is Novolog, Fiast is a, a faster acting insulin, Traceba, Levamir, Ozempic, Victoza, you can even get glucagon, you can get pin tips on these. Mm. What this, so this is, there's two different things for Novo. Okay. So the Novo Nordisk Patient Assistance Program, that is number one for patients without any insurance at all. Okay. Mm. So if somebody, you know, it's just, they have no insurance whatsoever and they meet income requirements and it takes a little bit of time by you or your staff to fill this out. Within seven to 10 business days, you get a yes or a no on it. And if it's a yes, if it's non-Medicare, it's a year from that date that it's approved. They'll mail four months of medications at a time and you renew the application. Mm -hmm. Now, before anybody's like, you know, oh, what about, you know, the the income requirements? Okay. So, mm -hmm. And I was trying to, I told this, I'm on my husband's uh, Mac. And I don't know how to use it. So, um, let's see, it's below the 400% poverty level. Okay, so this is actually pretty generous. So this really hits that middle-class uninsured. Um, so that, for example, for a family of three, hmm. it's income below 92,120. I think hmm. for a family of four, it's below 100,000. You know, which that's the definition of, you know, middle. So and then even like family of two, I think it's like 30 something thousand. But we can I, I don't have those exact. They change yeah. them, too. So they did um, change it for inflation. So really? that was great. Yeah. Cool. So that is for uninsured patients. Now, mm -hmm. if somebody did and I think this is still the case, if somebody did lose their health coverage because of covid, they're eligible for even getting like 90 days of their insulin for free, you know, mm -hmm. for it too, you know, like while there's a gap in coverage potentially. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this is great. Somebody comes in, they don't have any health insurance at all. We, they do have programs. We can talk about this, like the federally funded, like the FQHC, the yeah. 340B. Um, they might still have a cost associated with that, but um, a very, very low cost compared to, to what it is retail, but you can get this. I mean, they can get, thousands of dollars of medications mm. I mean it's yeah. tremendous you're talking about getting like four pins of Ozempic like that's mm. I mean it's incredible mm. so when we get this now used to anybody that's already been enrolled I believe it is they still have to mail the medicine to the mm. prescriber's office mm. now for like new applicants I, I think they just ship it straight yeah. to the patient so mm. yeah so it's four months at a time and they have the patient has to keep up with their refills so they ask mm. them for the refill you know and then they send a refill request. So you just have to like kind of stay on top of it. Yeah. So it's paperwork. I'm telling you this, you get patients like free medicines and free good quality medicines. Mm -hmm. They'll be your patient forever. I mean, like the, the appreciation that people have from that is mm -hmm. fantastic. Mm -hmm. So stick with the same application. This is also helpful for your Medicare patients too. Mm -hmm. Most of our Medicare patients 
are on some type of fixed income. And even if they have um, like a supplement, they might not have part, good Part D coverage or if they're in the gap coverage, again, it's income eligible. A few years ago, it was a little bit harder to get it. But again, it's not a no until it's like a hard no. <laughs> and I would rather them take the time and bring us that tax return if they wanted us to submit it from our office or if they want to yeah. do it. And it's not a no until it's a no, you know, you just, you get that and you get good name brand meds. You don't have to go for like the cheaper, less um, effective options at the pharmacy. Mm -hmm. So that's one through uh, Nova Nordis. The Lilly company is also a really good one. That one's an easy one to do. And I'm just, mm -hmm. each one, like Jardiance has a separate one for like Jardiance and Sinjardi. And then Farsiga through AstraZeneca has one. These are the two main ones that I use. Just I found in my experience a little bit easier to use mm. for the patient as well. So Lily is another one. You can get Culalog through it. Um, Basilgar, and they don't do Lantus anymore. Trulicity. And mm. there's several more even, and keep this in mind, this is for Lily especially, it's not just diabetes medications. So mm. there's different yeah. uh, tier beds and they list them. And on their application, I believe it's based off of which, like your income versus which group of medication it is, like for the cost. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So like there's like a variable amount, you know? Yeah. So again, three to four months of medication shipped to the patient, you know, if they meet that income eligibility. So then... Novo Nordis. So let's say it's a situation that you have a patient with type one diabetes and they have um, a high deductible plan. Okay. Mm -hmm. So how much is cash insulin? Way too much, <laughs> way, way too much. The Walmart released the rely on Aspart, which is the ger generic Novolog. So that helps out a lot. Mm -hmm. But still, if you want somebody to have like good insulin, not having to do in and R and, you know, granted that's great for, they can be used for, but that's really going to be the last option for me. Which one is? Because I want N and R, NPH What's and regular. NPH and regular. Yeah, yeah. So meaning they can go to Walmart and pay $25 and get a vial over the counter without a prescription. Oh. That's my, that's the last, you know, on, on the list. So Novo Nordis, you just Google it. It's my 9999. And that is a copay card that you print out. It's um, you just you can do it in office and it's a mix and match for two you up to two different brands of insulin, not a GLP one. OK, so you can get like Traceba and Fias, like a box of each or a certain amount of vials of each for ninety nine dollars a month. Mm -hmm. So considering the actual cash price on that, uh, what the vial of insulin is like three, three hundred and thirty dollars per vial and they can get three or four vials I'm going off memory here but I'll send you the all the application yeah. for it the applications for it for $99 so that's a fantastic program so that they can have commercial insurance and like a high deductible plan or they just you know don't have great coverage even with the copay cards if it doesn't reduce an, uh, enough off of it because yeah. you always want to utilize copay cards and stuff too but mm -hmm. it might only buy it down like a certain okay so that's that's another one then in our area too, and I looked online because you can search by your area. Mm -hmm. One of our new, and this is newer to me, so I'm still learning about it, but the different programs available like in the rural areas, like the um, the FQHC clinics oh, and yeah. then the 340B uh, insulin, uh, 340B clinics as well. So yeah. they use them for primary care and they have their pharmacies. Those, some of these GLP-1s, depending on which, 
they get in stock, you can get those in big for ten dollars a box. You know, you can get um, which and the is, price just went up. What's retail price of Mozambique? Oh, $800, $900? Yeah. Okay, just for context, yeah. especially for Oh, yeah, for context. <laughs> yeah. Because so, um, you can, ooh, Ozempic's great, but ooh, yeah. I, I don't know if I want to pay that much for it. Yeah. So um, the same thing with insulin, and it just depends on the brand and what they have available in the pharmacy. The SGLT2 inhibitors, um, depending on which one they're, they have available, and also the strength. So sometimes they might not have a max dose strength. Mm-hmm. That again, it's like between eight and ten dollars in my area, so it just depends. But all that information is online if you search for 340B or FQHC, you know, like in your area to help refer mm-hmm. those patients to. Mm-hmm. So, those are like my, my big ones, yeah, 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 for sure. And then there's yeah. also, um, so Genuvia, mm-hmm. it was, I think, was supposed to go generic last year, mm-hmm. didn't go generic. I can't believe it. I've, I've been working long enough, long enough to remember when it was. <laughs> I, was say, I did not know that. I didn't realize that. Wow. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to go generic, but I think it got pushed to maybe spring of next year. So don't quote me on that. That's spring of 2023. Um, so that will be a great option too for a DPD-4 inhibitor. Not my go-to, you yeah, know, for diabetes yeah. management, but a, a good option. And then also too, unless this has changed recently, the SGLT2, that this, the Glotro has a really great copay card, right? The Glotro. I don't know. I don't... No, oh, that one. Oh, okay. Oh. Okay. Yeah. And it also comes in a combination with extended release metformins. It's mm-hmm. called the Gloromet. And there's a combination, the Glotro with Genuvia called Seglujan. I think they make these names up just to, you know, make fun of us. But um, <laughs> so it has a really good copay card that buys it down to $0. Woo. Then AstraZeneca. I mean, so you have to kind of know these little nuances, right? So you got to talk mm-hmm. to your reps and be like, hey, look, this mm-hmm. Zigduo, so Zigduo, just to not assume anybody knows, because uh, I'll just pretend like y'all don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Zigduo yeah, yeah. is for Sega and Metformin put together. Yeah. Okay. So it comes in, oh, a 10-500, a 5-1000, a 10-1000, I think a 2.5-1000. At the first of this year, unless it's changed, if somebody has a high deductible, their copay card will buy down the five slash 1000 zig duo to zero dollars but if you do two of the five 1000s and just spend 60 they might have an out-of-pocket so you might not get the max effect of the medication if you can't get them on a full 10 milligram of the farsiga equivalent but you can always max out the metformin if that makes sense. So you could do a five, 1000 and then two of the 500 metformin extended release generic for real cheap mm-hmm. and get that cost down to $0 and get a great, great med. It's so fancy. And I, I guess like, I just want to pause here and say like, I just want to like normalize it. This, that it can, I, I'm just like, I anticipate the people and what they're going to say and like what they think too. Um, yeah. And it's like, it's just, it's, it just really demonstrates how frustrating insurance can be. Um, and the medical world can be. Yeah. And number yeah. two is that I feel like my approach to like I can I can hear the new grads, my mentees being like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like the thing is 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 like it's almost like it's almost like a dedicated project, right? Where it's oh, like absolutely. instead of like a communication course about whatever, it's like mm-hmm. it's almost like take it's taking aside that time of like almost like a continuing education course of like what is on. But it's like a whole thing, right? It's like, what are the options and getting familiar with that? And then you can use it. Mm-hmm. And also, I think one other thing, especially in the lens of primary care that can be bonkers crazy, 
with patients who have more things than just diabetes is like, I just came up on, uh, uh, on Instagram, some, uh, another account was talking about this, about how they documented their time in their clinic to, uh, to show to their leadership, to, which would like evidence of like, you know what, when I work five days a week, I do this much overtime, which was a negotiating tool for them to go to four, 10 hour shifts. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like in the same lens, Again, this is not really for a brand new grad because you're kind of just keeping your head above water. But if you think about like documenting all of the time it takes to, like you said, like do the great work of like applying for these applications and all these other pieces. And you also have results about how it goes down. Like it's, it's helped your patient's A1C go down. Like that's motivating for your clinic to allow you to either have more time to work on that, bring in a part-time staff member to help you be a diabetes liaison, right? We have community. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We have yeah. diabetes educators. Like if you don't have that resource, like the way you get resources to support those moving parts is to document it, present a case, and then you get more support, mm -hmm. either more clinic time, either like less clinic time for you to work on with more admin time for you or a support staff member who's going to help be educated in all these pieces and then go forward from there, which I know is like mm -hmm. a hard, it's like a lot to think about again, not really for a new grad necessarily, because you're just keeping your head above water, but like there are ways to do this in primary care. Cause I can just hear people being like, there's no way I'm ever going to do that. Cause that's so involved and there's so much time, but I just want to like advocate for like, as you expand in your practice, like we can do stuff like that because our clinics are also motivated They're They, they get at least in the FQHC setting. If you have an A1C of 9%, they're looking at the numbers of patients with A1C is like 10% or higher, Absolutely. right? So that's actually like, it's again, we all care about patient care, but when it comes to the business of primary care, they need to see return on investment, right? And so if you can document, if you have like a way to do that, right? Anyway, that's just like a very side note, but like, I just, mm -hmm. I think that's a real barrier for people in terms of the oh, yeah. is, is like, there's just so much to know and so much to do with it. Right. And also too, I'm really... I'm one of those, it's just like, if I can streamline something, mm -hmm. if I can make my day easier, the patient's day easier, my MA, like I'm not trying to yeah. add a thousand tasks to mm -hmm. her back that she already has, because we feel, of course, uh, we all feel a lot of phone calls, a lot of issues with pharmacy and whatever. Okay. Yeah. So just something as basic as this. Okay. So it doesn't sound like this big of a deal, but it saves minutes upon minutes upon minutes, which are precious. So it, the, how our clinic works, each each um, room off a uh, patient room has a remote desktop. Okay. Mm -hmm. So like it, we remote into the server and then that's how we do it. So I have in every single one of my patient rooms, a folder saved on my desktop that has every single one of these forms already saved, pre-filled out with the prescriber information, me, the NPI number, mm -hmm. everything, fax, contact information, whatever. And it's updated every year when the new applications come out, because there'll be little like things that they'll just change here and there. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm talking to the patient and I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, cost is always an issue. And I'll, I'll tell you this too. Even in like this medic, if a Medicare patient comes in and I'm talking to them and they're like, you know what, like I can pay X, Y, and Z for my medications. Even if they say that, it's like, why, why not try? Why yeah. not try mm -hmm. to help them out to like get rid of that copay? Because you know, what happens is, let's say they're on an Eliquis, which is a high dollar med or, you know, something for RA in a high dollar med. Mm -hmm. Those high dollar meds are going to push them into that gap coverage sooner, yeah. which means they're going to be off that 25% out of pocket for those medications. Yeah. Why can't I do my part to help them stay out of the gap coverage to keep the coverage for the other meds? Okay. 
So rant for that, but I had the little folder ready to go. Mm -hmm. I print it out. All I have to do is just put the SIG for the meds and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then you learn really quickly what you have to attach. And it's on them to bring mm -hmm. either take the application completed at home with their tax information, whatever. Mm -hmm. I usually, and I tell them like, it's not to get into your business. You know, it's not, I don't care how much money you make. I just want you to have mm -hmm. great meds at little to no cost if that's possible. Totally. So then they, it's like, okay, just bring that back. We can have it on file. And then we fax it in and then seven to 10 business days they have. So it doesn't like just me the day that that clicked in my head of like, why didn't I think about this five years? You know, like mm -hmm. I can just have this form already filled out with my MPI and my contact and it saves mm -hmm. so much time. Cause I just print it out and my MA keeps up with it. I fill mm -hmm. it out for the most part. She'll help me. Mm -hmm. um, and then even things like the, um, let's say you work with a population that would need something like the My 99 one through Nova Nordisk. And by the way, Lily does have something, uh, it's called Lily Cares, I think. Mm -hmm. So if it's more of like a, a Humalog preferred, you know, then they have something very similar to it too. So mm -hmm. I'm not, and again, it's differentiating, no insurance versus high deductible. So you, yeah, you, can, yeah. you gotta learn insurance. Okay, so those My 99 ones, <coughs> excuse me, those um, are kind of like any other um, savings card that it has its own like prescription bin number. So mm -hmm. it's not like you do one and make 20 copies of it. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes if it's kind of a season, I'm like, man, I'm really going through these a lot. I'll activate print, activate a new one, print, activate a new one. And then you, each room, you have a few of them. It's like, take to the, take this to the pharmacy and get thousands of dollars of insulin for $99. And they're like, oh, that's incredible. You know, so you just do a few little prep so things good. and it doesn't have to be so this big whole ordeal. So absolutely. Yeah. And I really feel like I love that it's I worth love, it. Yeah. I love that you have a process oriented. I, I think yeah. that that's the thing that saves me in primary care is I do the same thing the same way every time, obviously customized for patient, but my process is the same. So I just, I really, I really love that. And I really do want to stress that like, it really sounds like, cause I'm not even familiar with all of these things, right? Like my plan is I'm going to sit down, I'm going to read about them and I'm going to get my baseline understanding familiarity. And then I'm going to say like, okay, like what is my process to make this easier mm -hmm. right? so it's right. worth the time and of, of initial learning. And then it will become more rote for people. Mm -hmm. Well, I do want to love time. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say one more thing about the GLP ones. Um, for the like the cost by far, I find that that's the most difficult one to get at a good price. If it's a deductible issue, especially, or if it's like a cash pay, and if they don't, especially, um, qualify for like the the free one based off of income. Mm -hmm. but the and I think we're going to talk <laughs> if we have time about the newer medicines like um that are on the market like the new Monjero you know it's mm -hmm. not on formulary yet mm -hmm. and that's a really really great option that like regardless of insurance coverage or deductible when you talk to the reps and at least here and I, I'm assuming it would be the same nationally you can get 90 days of a great new meta GLP GLP one that's new on the market for $25 yeah. So it's like That's some funny. of these newer meds when Ribelsis first came out yeah, yeah. with insurance, you could get it for $10 or 25 or something like that. And now once it was on formulary, I had these patients on Ribelsis and we had to figure out a plan B for that. Mm -hmm. But it's like, at least in the interim, because you never know if that person gets a new job change or whatever, you still yeah. want to advocate for like the best meds at the best mm -hmm. price possible. Yeah. I love that. Well, yeah, I do want to be mindful of time. I think, um, I think a great closing place would be is, um, um, even though I have like a thousand more questions I could ask, <laughs> um, is like, what like pearls, like 
like whatever feels best for people, like what pearls do you have for primary care? Like another way to think about that or look at that is like, what do you wish primary care providers knew? Um, but either side of that coin of that question, like whatever you want to share um, for pearls of practice and all that. There's, uh, there's several. And I, I love primary care. I love, primary care. I'm like, go back to primary care. We love primary care. I'm not your primary care provider. Like, please go back to them. Like, yeah, if you're not seeing them for six months and your lipids are crazy and, you know, blood pressure, mm -hmm. I'll absolutely adjust meds and prescribe hypertensive and hyperlipidemic meds. But it's just, please go back to primary care. So thank you for what y'all do. Thank you. <laughs> so one of the things that I would really make sure, especially, and this is getting back to like the language of how we talk mm -hmm. to people and everything, we and I think that I really feel like this has gotten better over time, but we have got to get away of thinking that insulin is a punishment. Insulin is not a punishment. Insulin's not a four-letter word. It is not, it is not you're being a bad diabetic. Like, first of all, you know, talking about being saying like non-compliant, like we don't say you're a diabetic. I mean, yeah. to me, yeah. no, no, you have diabetes. It's not, like you have this. Yeah. So no, you're not brittle. You don't have, you're not a bad diabetic. If you need insulin again, it's the tool in the toolbox. So we don't want to use that even as like a threat. Like if you don't come if in three months, if you come back and your A1C is still elevated, I'm going to have to put you on insulin. Yeah. And then, so they might come see me. I'm like, let's do it today. It's not, a, it's not, it's not a punishment. It's a way uh -huh. that I can get you safe in a relatively quickly manner. Mm -hmm. That's a variable amount that can be adjusted based off of what your needs are that yeah. might not even be permanent. Right. Yeah. So it's yeah. not something that I, I, that's like my favorite pastime is taking people off insulin. Like it's so much fun. So, so that's great. One thing. Just, it really <laughs> is. Yeah. Take people off of meds. Don't just add meds. <laughs> so that's one thing It's like, let's not use insulin as a punishment. I will say too, and this is just kind of my practice on like when you're looking at the algorithms and everything. And um, I was looking back at some of your old YouTube videos and I love that you referenced the ACE guidelines. Yeah, um, I like ACE. I, I love, I love ACE. Their algorithm is so pretty. Like we need to make sure that everybody has like, it's so pretty. It's so beautifully done yeah. and it's so easy to follow. very easy to follow. So mm -hmm. easy to follow. Mm -hmm. And I'll one of the things that is, down below this video oh, too. Yeah. People can link to it. Yeah. There is also a way to get those um like laminated pocket size. And I think you can get them from Ace, I think. So that's really handy too. Ooh, I'm gonna look at so that. they're like really small well, because there's also one for that. hypertension and hyperlipidemia. Yeah. yeah. So I, I love the ACE guidelines. But when you look that's at it, um, you know, obviously with med management, like on the big, there's a big part that's like, regardless of A1C control, if there's uh, the ASCVD risk or CKD or, well, you know, heart failure, mm -hmm. you have somebody on like on the SGLT2. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So for patients who are, uh, for, I'm sorry, for your MPs that aren't quite as familiar, that's yeah. Jardiance, Farsiga, you know, Stiglatra, which is one we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. But how, one time, sometimes what happens is the patient might come in and maybe they're like new to primary care or just somebody that's kind of hit or miss. They might be like on, you know, mid range or maxed out metformin and an old school, like sulfonuria. Mm -hmm. Maybe we still have a lot that are on like pioglitazone, like actose. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it's a cost issue or something. Yeah, I was going to say that's one of the cheaper options. So sulfonuria right. <clears throat> and that class. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. So those are strong meds. Those mm -hmm. are strong meds and they're not like the newer, more intuitive ones, but 
So sometimes patients will come in, they'll be like, well, I was on Jardiance, but it didn't work for me. I'm like, okay, well, what else happened at that time that Jardiance was prescribed? Like, mm-hmm. oh, well, they took me off of glipizide and Actos. Well, if you have somebody like on a max dose of a saponuria, mm-hmm. that being as strong as it is, stimulating that insulin production, assuming that they still have beta cell function, that is hard to get off of. If you take, you have to titrate slowly off of that. So mm-hmm. if somebody comes in and you're like, I'm going to add, add, but then you take away, mm-hmm. those sugars are going to go up, especially mm-hmm. if you're titrating up a GLP-1. So if you have somebody on this on glyphosate, extended release, and they're on 20 milligrams a day total, sometimes that or even higher can be the equivalent. And this is just what we see clinically, not necessarily in literature, like 20 to 30 units for some people of insulin. Like that's how strong it is. Oh, so there's like this. That. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, you know what? Your A1C is a nine or an eight or whatever. These meds aren't working. Let me take you off of them, which, yeah, that, that would be the goal while you're adding and titrating up on some other ones, mm. but their sugars are going to, for a lot of people go higher, you know? So we want to think of that too, is like, are you just like adding on to therapy while to- like decreasing slowly, like really think about the mechanism of action of these medications and like how strong, and how potent they are, mm-hmm. because yes, mm-hmm. you're going to get great results with the SGLT2, GLP1, mm-hmm. but if you take away max doses of others at the same time, yeah, you're, you're not going to see much success mm-hmm. on there too. Mm-hmm. And just another thing that this is kind of what I, I, I try to think of, and I educate the patient too, is I like my go-to, of course, yeah, metformin. Yeah. Metformin. Okay. GLP one, love a GLP one at first, um, especially GLP-1. if they're high. <laughs> yeah. Yes. If I, if I have somebody come in and we do a baseline UA, you know, when they come in and they're not on an SGLT2. Okay. I know I need to put them on one, but if they already have three plus glucose in their urine um, and you have the higher incidence adding mm-hmm. an SGLT2 with the yeast infection or urinary tract infection, mm-hmm. do I want to add something at that point mm-hmm. that can potentially precipitate it and increase it, knowing that I can add it later, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if somebody's coming in the real high, what I'll do too, I don't want to start a med that gives them such a potential side effect or issue that that puts a bad taste in their, in their mouth and their brain of like, yep. can't do that. that, gave, that no, can't do yeah. that. Jardins gave me a yeast infection. It's like, well, your sugar was also average of 300 and you were drinking like five sodas a day. Like was it really the Jardins? But mm-hmm. if that happens, who wants to be on the med again that gave them a terrible yeast infection? So I'll, a lot of times we'll pull them down and then be like, I want to add this med. It has the CKD that I don't say CKD, but it has mm-hmm. helped your kidneys, helped your heart. You know, you have this, mm-hmm. but I really don't want you to have X, Y, and Z happen. So let me pull you down and then I'll add it on later. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of just another little pearl too. Love that. And, and then one more, let's see, I had written down a few is with insulin. One of the questions when we were first talking, um, I think you had presented like, is there like a max dose of insulin? Which yes, I know that's a great yeah. question. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So insulin i mean we're all taught in nursing school it's a critical med right like so two people check off on it and all this and you're like in the hospital and you're checking off like two units of humulin r and i'm not disrespecting that at all and then you have you know i have people on u500 insulin that's five times concentrated and it's on 300 400 units per day so you know you still have the respectful fear right but you're trying to think too it's like when you have or let's say you have like the cgm data in front of you like what do you think about what am I trying to fix right what am I trying to fix if we say 
hey, your A1C is a nine, but what if they come back and they're like, you know what, my fat, and let's say they're not on the CGM. They're like, well, my fastings are like between 90 and 120, mm-hmm. you know, but so is the answer to just keep increasing the basal mm-hmm. insulin. Mm-hmm. Now, number one, the answer might be changing the basal insulin, get out of the glargine and Zetamir and do more of like the, um, a longer, long acting insulin, like mm-hmm. 42 hour, you know, like it's fantastic. It's just, it's beautiful and it's more comfortable, mm-hmm. but is that answer to just increase basal? Cause what's going to happen to their setting number, yeah. right? So yeah. they're just going to go lower. We have to remember that. Sorry, these went out. Um, Oh, most of I can't I can't remember the percentage. Most of an elevated A1C is due to like postprandial yeah. surges. Okay, yeah. so you get the GLP one on board, you know. But the answer is not just to increase, 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 increase basal. At some point, you need to be like, okay, you're at 0.5 units per kilo mm-hmm. on this. Like yeah. that's too much. It's start. It's time to add in a mealtime insulin. At that point, too. Now, a lot of facilities don't do sliding scales. We do, obviously. Yeah. You know, we do carb ratios, yeah. sensitivity factors, and stuff. And then we always want to say, prevent the problem. Don't just treat the problem. So, mm-hmm. if they're ninety here, and you're like, okay, well, how about this? Check two hours after you eat breakfast, and if you're two fifty, take three to five units or whatever the scale. Okay, what's going to pull them down? How do you prevent the two fifty? Right. You're still not getting ahead of it. So you're all you want to get ahead <laughs> of everything. So that's when you need to really start going to that uh, prandial insulin. Yeah. And um, then once they get on those higher doses, start considering doing the concentrated insulins, too. Yeah. And just for people like I just I'm just I've just been head deep in all of this. And so I'm like, yes, yes, yes. But I'm just thinking about some new grads who are like, what? Um, for some some of the parts, not that I feel like that was very clear. But I, recently, I've gotten more comfortable with the more concentrated long acting mm-hmm. one. And so just to yeah. pull that piece out, you have um, Semgly, Basiglar, Lantis. Those are like the brand names. Yeah, those are not the generic. Mm-hmm. And then and then you've got Traceba. Again, mm-hmm. I'm not affiliated with any pharmaceutical companies either. Um, but mm-hmm. Traceba is the long, it's basically the long, long acting Mm-hmm. And then you also have um, concentrated, certain medicines have certain concentrations that are higher. Um, so mm-hmm. like you're saying U500, are you talking about regular mm-hmm. U500 or? or Yes. Yeah. yeah. So U500 is its own kind of thing. It replaces basal and bolus. Okay. So if you have, let's say you have somebody on, um, let's say like Lantus. Okay. Mm-hmm. Lantus burns, glargine burns. Oh, really? it's sick. Oh. Yeah. So like, that's not a very comfortable injection. And mm-hmm. I always ask patients about that. Like, you know, nobody loves to give themselves an injection anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm like, do you feel that? Does it burn? I feel like, oh my gosh, it burns so bad. Like it feels like a bee sting for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So then you want to try to get somebody on a more comfortable injection. That's usually why I go the Traceba mm-hmm. route. For most people it's, yeah. But then think to, okay, so you have like a large dose of Lantus. You know, so if you dialed up that pin and it was like 80 units and you squared it out, it's like how much liquid comes yeah, out yeah, to yeah. be sub Q, yeah. right? So yeah. that's a lot. So at that point, you know, if it's starting to get uncomfortable for him, or if you're even considering having to do like twice daily long acting mm-hmm. insulin, mm-hmm. that's when definitely go for like a Traceva because it's on formularies for a lot. Mm-hmm. And then also to Jo is a U300. Mm-hmm. I don't know oh, if you've, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. So to Jo is U300. So the smaller yeah. pin has the equivalent of 450 units. Yeah. The larger pin has 900. Mm-hmm. The three mil pin of the Traceva U200 has six 
600 units in it. So you do have to convert it to the pharmacy. Yeah, yeah. Safety, 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 safety on this is just, <laughs> okay, so there's warnings on the the hair dryer to don't take, don't take a bath while you're blow drying your hair. Yes. I mean, somebody did it, right? Okay. So <laughs> um, most of these, cause there's also a Humalogue U200 yeah. and then there's a Lungev, which is a faster version of the Humalogue a U200. And mm. on those, there's like these little, um, they're yellow stickers. It says, do not draw out with a syringe because sometimes patients do run out of pin tips, the little twisty pin tips. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Yep. So if they, this is converted down by volume, so you're not changing the unit, the pin changes the volume. Yeah. So if yeah. they're on 80 of Traceba and you put them on the U200, if you compared it, it's going to look like 40 units of volume. That makes sense. So you're oh, not saying, is, oh, yeah, so, so each one is, yeah. So it's um, half of the volume because it's concentrated. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if they're like, oh, I ran out of pin tips and they get a little insulin syringe and they're like, ooh, let me just pull this out. Mm. And they pull out 80, they're getting double, they're getting 160 oh because it's by volume. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the safety part on that. It, they're fantastic. I don't want that to like scare people from not using because it it's such a more comfortable injection. They're not getting as much of that oh. volume sub Q. Yeah. yeah. And then um, total, I'll touch on that U500 a little bit. When, um, when our clinic first opened again, this, the U500 was on the market, but yeah. we had to convert it down by volume, either in a TB syringe or an insulin syringe. Wow. But now the U500, it's in a, it's a teal pen. And I will say on the website, and I double checked last night to make sure that the prescribing information is there. There are two or three great tables on the prescribing of this. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this is typically used whenever the total amount of insulin per day is 200 units or greater. Mm -hmm. Okay. So meaning mm -hmm. if they're on 10 units or 20 mm -hmm. units of humalog a few times a day, plus a lot of basal insulin and it equals 200 or more, this gets, it's a great, great, great insulin to help mm -hmm. with just reducing the amount of injections because you can start at VID dosing. Mm -hmm. So you can go from potentially two Lantus per day if they're on a split regimen and three meal time to two times per day. So you reduce six. Oh. So you get rid of the and, and the long acting and just replace it with this right. one. Cool. Mm -hmm. And it's not a mixed insulin. So, so U500 has a much longer duration, mm -hmm. and but then you can reconvert it. But there are really good tables on the the prescribing of it. But what's scary is I did an example. Let me see if I can find it. Because then you're like, oh, it's so I took it as because it's a straight conversion if their A1C is over eight. And that's when you're like, that's a lot of insulin. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> if they're on a straight 200 units per yep. day and you want to start with an easier regimen of and they give, again, they give you the dosing on it. So it's 60% in the morning, 40% at night to kind of start. 60% mm -hmm. mm -hmm. of 200 is 120 units that you would dose that person at one time and then 80 in the evening. So you look at that and you're like, oh, <laughs> like, oh wow. But it is. And I remember the first time I had to put my name on a prescription of that. I'm like, oh my gosh, please make sure I did this math right. And it's right. I mean, it's to the T. And so that too, especially if, things like this you want to think of you know if somebody's practicing in a rural area that they don't have mm -hmm. access to endocrinology yes. or they don't have yep. you know you need to know how to do exactly. this exactly and because but then they have that again really really tables i have put screenshots on my phone and i have like a saved mm -hmm. um photo album for it of just because there's 
they tell you, hey, if the average fasting is below or above, this is the dose that you increase. And then by what percent? Amazing. So they give it to you. Step like by step. By yeah. step. And I guess I just want to pause and say, um, well, two things. One is that um, uh, most insulins are 100 per ml. The concentration is 100 mm-hmm. per one ml. And so when you ever you say you 200, you 300, you 500, it's just 500 units per ml, correct? Correct. And then, um, something happens when you have more concentrated insulins that it, um, changes the pharmacokinetics because both because of the volume and because of the concentration and that very, before I actually say any more, I want to normalize for students and newer grads and people just switching into primary care. This is, this is advanced diabetes management. Oh yeah. Sorry. I went. Uh, (laughs) No, it's, it's beautiful. Right. Cause it's not just new grads that are, that are watching and listening. And it's so helpful for me. I love this, but like you're, unless you are a passionate diabetes person, um, and also you have more years of practice, you're probably going to like ease into this, but like, mm-hmm. yeah, like there, there is there, the concentrated longer acting ones are just wonderful. And, and it's, uh, Humalog is U 500 is that's the right name. I'm saying that right. Correct. It's Humulin R U 500. Oh, Humulin R U 500. There is oh. a Humalog U 200. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. So that's, it's like a shorter <clears throat> one that, but when you put it in that hyper-concentrated formula, it, the pharmacokinetics are different. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. Cause I was reading even uh, about it too, because it's like, it's almost like misleading. Cause you look at it it's like, okay, Humulin R, but it's just, just a concentrated. So is it a concentrated regular? Exactly. Not, yeah. yeah right. So it's a long tail. I mean, long, uh, long tail yeah. on it. Yeah. That that's you can right. see. Yeah, that's really good to know. Um, so I think for for students, newer grads, ask for help before you do that. One hundred percent, or you are yeah. really passionate about diabetes. Um, it's beautiful. This is really really helpful because again, like I have many years of practice at this point, and I'm like I'm interested in expanding more of my diabetes care. Um, and it's such a good point you said about rural medicine because so many clinicians say like I just can't get people to a specialist. What am I supposed? Oh, absolutely. To do? And I think mm-hmm. safety first is that like you're, if you're a new grad, you're still a new grad, even if you practice in rural medicine, you probably still need support. And also you're probably going to expand your practice to a place that is really serving people to that maximum level of your license, but it's going to take a little bit of time. So all mm-hmm. of this stuff is just so beautiful to share. Thank you so much. Oh yeah. Um, I, yeah like absolutely. I said, I have so many other questions, but we'll, we'll wrap up this interview and perhaps there'll be a part two. Um, but yeah, thank you so, so yeah. much. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. (laughs) Love it. Totally. That's our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and tell all your NP friends so together we can help as many nurse practitioners as possible give the best care to their patients. If you haven't gotten your copy of the ultimate resource guide for the new NP, head over to realworldnp.com slash guide. You'll get these episodes sent straight to your inbox every week with notes from me, patient stories, and extra bonuses I really just don't share anywhere else. Thank you so much again for listening. Take care and talk soon.